0: Well, hey, good morning, Overlake. It is so great to be with you this morning. Uh, My name is Connor. If we haven't had the opportunity to meet, uh, I would love to do so when it is appropriate. Um, Again, it is such an honor to be here. I get to serve on staff here at Overlake, get to serve our young adults. Big shout out to all the young adults out there that are watching. Um, and, and like Pastor Neely said, I get the honor of really kicking off this summer season here at Overlake, which summer is starting in the middle of July, it, it seems like. Anyways, we're, we're, we're doing that here. We are starting summer this Sunday. Uh, with a new series that we're going through called Encountering Jesus. And we are really going through the book of John together as a community. And we have a purpose. We have a hope for the next eight, nine, ten weeks or so, the next two months. We have a hope for all of us together. And the hope is this. You can write this down. The hope is that uh, we would encounter Jesus in a way that shapes us and our life together. So this summer, together, as we go through the book of John, our hope for this community is that we would encounter Jesus in ways that shape us as individuals, shape us individually more into the image of Christ, and and would shape our life together, would shape our community more into the community that Jesus would have us to be. So there's there's a personal piece to it, and there's a communal piece to it. So that's this summer. Summer at OCC, Encountering Jesus, over the next eight weeks, we're going to be going through the book of John, looking at different encounters that Jesus had with people. So these Sundays, we're going to be taking a look each Sunday at a different encounter that Jesus has. And we have some really special guests. more, more special than me. Uh, but we have, we have some uh, special people. We got Pastor Eugene. He's going to be with us this summer. Really excited about it. We've got uh, many of you might be familiar with Jonathan Rainey. He's going to be back sharing with us through this series. And then we also have, so excited about this, Doctor, 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 doctor Brenda Salter McNeil. She is going to be with us, joining and sharing from um, the Book of John. Really excited to have her. If you don't know who she is, she's an amazing um, person, amazing preacher, teacher. She's going to be with us this season. And uh, two questions that we are going to be answering as we go through these encounters. Really two questions, and and they are this: How do they shape me? And how does this shape us together? So looking at each encounter, what can we we learn from this. What can we glean from them that we feel like the Lord's trying to shape us? And and how do we feel like the Lord is trying to shape us together as a community? So every week we're going to be answering those two questions, um, but it's going to be more than just on Sundays. Neely mentioned. That we're gonna have a reading plan through the book of John, and uh, really excited about that. Having an opportunity every single day to dive into the scriptures together as a community. A few different ways you can get that. You can get it online on our website. You can get it on social media. We'll be posting it on Instagram and on Facebook. And uh, if if you want it sent directly to you, you can check the uh, box, uh, the reading plan box on the digital connection card. Be sure. To check that out and uh, yeah it's ex- really excited to go through the book of John together as a community it's a great book really solid book um hey uh so I've been thinking this uh over the last few oh, really over the last couple of years I've been spending some time thinking this so I, I'm now 28 which is is you know I, I, I'm six years out of college and and that for me seems like a really long time. Some of you might think six years like isn't that long, enough. <laughs> but but for me like six years is the amount of time I spent in middle school and high school. And let me tell you, when I was in middle school, I could not wait to get out, but it seemed like forever. Some of you remember those middle school days, nightmare, right? Like don't want to go back. I never want to go back. Um, but. But six years out of college, I, I think about it, that uh, the way I think about it is that that was the length of time I spent in middle school, high school. The fact that I've gone through middle school and high school since being out of college is crazy. I, that's, that's wild to me. And I remember thinking maybe a year, two years ago, I had this moment. I, I don't remember if it was after a bad day at work. Like, I got, I got those, right? Like, we all have rough days. Um, I, I can't remember exactly what it was coming out of, but I remember it was after some failure, after some mistake. Like, probably did something dumb, like, spoke for 45 minutes when I was supposed to speak for 20 or something like, something like that, whatever. But, but I remember having this moment thinking to myself, like, if I want to get better at this, like, if I want to grow, I need to intentionally take some time to learn. And and, and so it made me think, like, like when I was in college, those four years that I was in college, between 18 and 22, those were like the last few years where I was intentionally taught something, where like my life was about learning. For some of you, that might have been those years. It it might have been high school. Like, Like there comes a point where our life stops becoming about learning and essays and tests when in the moment we can't wait to get out. And it switches from learning to producing. It switches from learning to working and then applying all that we learned to a craft, applying all that we learned to a project, to a task, to a job. So so that for me, it was this realization that I'm. I, if, if I want to learn, if I want to grow, if I want to get better, I need to take some time to actually learn. I need to go and seek out learning on my own. I don't have textbooks anymore with professors that are taking me through them. Like I got to do this stuff on my own. I'm I, I, I'm no longer in a learning season, but I'm in a growing or I'm, I'm, in, I'm in a working season. And, and any growth that happens unintentionally is through failure. And, and I don't want to always have to learn through that. So so this is why I say this. Like, you might be wondering why like, why I even bring that up. The reason why I say that is because uh, I think for many of us, and, and I'm speaking personally here, that we can take that attitude, we can take that mindset of learning and growing and developing and, and moving from that to a work, moving from that to busy lives, moving from that to always going and always doing and always producing. We can take that mentality and we can inject it into our relationship with Jesus. And if we're not careful, what was once this discipleship relationship where we were spending time with God, we were resting in his word, we were diving into the scriptures and learning and, and just filling ourselves with Jesus, what would you have me do right now, can turn into um, just my, my own life. It can turn into my job, can turn into a, a lack of care for what God would have me do because I'm just too consumed or too busy with my life and the things that I'm doing. So this, this morning, I'll, I just want us to consider this question. Um, when was the last time you spent honest, slow time with Jesus? When was the last time you asked Jesus what he would have you do? And I want to set us up as we go through the summer with this this idea, this thought, this question of when the last time we spent with Jesus was. And, and to do that, we're going to go through the Book of John, chapter three. We're going to look at this encounter with a man named Nicodemus. Um, John chapter three. We're going to look at the first fifteen verses. If you're familiar with this story, great. If not. Really, what you need to know going into it is Nicodemus, he was um, a Pharisee. He was, like, the religious elite of the time that really set the rules. Like, they were the ones that told people how to live. They were the ones that um, made all of the big decisions. And he was a part of the, the, the ruling council. So he was, like, top of the top. Like, he was one of the big dogs, all right? Like, he was one of the top And here we see Nicodemus encounter Jesus in a way that challenges me and I I hope wherever you are tuning in from will challenge you too. So if you have your Bibles, John chapter 3, or we're going to be in uh, John chapter 3 verse 1, you can follow along here on the screen as well. It says this, now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night. And said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God. For no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. Jesus replied, very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How can someone be born when they are old? Nicodemus asked, surely they cannot enter the womb a second time. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. Now, I just want us to pause for a moment before we keep going on in the story and just note how Nicodemus approaches Jesus. Keeping in mind, Nicodemus is like the top dog. He's got a busy life. He's got a lot of stuff going on. Jesus comes on the scene and he's doing all of these miracles and Nicodemus decides to go to Jesus at night and he goes up to him and he says, "Hey, teacher!" Addresses Jesus as teacher. He says, "Hey, teacher, we we've been talking. We know who you are. We know you're from God. For nobody can do the things that you're doing if God were not with him." So he approaches Jesus with some knowledge. Like, like let let me just get. He approaches Jesus with learning, with education, with knowledge, and Jesus says something. Almost as if it's an answer to a question that Nicodemus didn't even ask. And, and uh, what I want us to see here is that Jesus, he takes Nicodemus's knowledge. You see, he had knowledge. He knew things. But he begins to show Nicodemus' truth. You see, knowledge is not the same as truth. And we're going to begin to see what happens to Nicodemus as he experiences this truth so it goes on to say this jesus answered very truly i tell you no one can enter the kingdom of god unless they are born of water and the spirit flesh gives birth to flesh but the spirit gives birth to spirit you should not be surprised at my saying you must be born again the wind blows wherever it pleases you hear it sound but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. How can this be, Nicodemus asked? You are Israel's teacher, said Jesus, and you don't understand these things? Very truly, I tell you, we speak of what we know, and we testify to what we have seen, but still, you people do not accept our testimony. I have spoken to you of earthly things, and you don't believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up that everyone who believes may have eternal life. Now this is, this is, a, this is a big encounter, and, and I think it's fitting that we start here because Jesus, again, he takes Nicodemus's knowledge. He's addressing three things that Nicodemus, as a Pharisee, as a teacher of the law, would no doubt be familiar with. This this idea of birth in the spirit, of being uh, of wind, and then of a snake in the wilderness. And, and so Jesus, he takes Nicodemus's knowledge and then uses his knowledge to reveal to Nicodemus who he is, who Jesus is takes his knowledge and reveals through it, brings truth to it, and shows Nicodemus, hey, these things that you know, I'm actually the culmination of these things that you know. And he has this profound experience with Jesus that that ultimately transforms his life. And, and this is the end of the encounter, but as you go through the book of John, as you read through the Gospels, you can see... Nicodemus appearing in a few different instances throughout the Gospels. One, he defends Jesus in court. And then at the end, when Jesus, after he's died on the cross, you actually see Nicodemus at Jesus' feet, helping take him off of the cross and bring him to his tomb. Nicodemus was changed by this encounter with Jesus. So the question that I want us to consider this morning as we kick this series off is when was the last time you went to Jesus? How does this passage shape us? How does this passage that we just read shape us, and then how does this passage shape us together? The first thing that I want you to write down is this. If you're taking notes, I encourage you to write this down. This first thing, how does this shape us? That we must seek Jesus in all things. We must seek Jesus in all things all things. Now, I used to give Nicodemus a bad rap. Um, I would read this passage. I've heard messages preached on this passage, and they slam Nicodemus for going to Jesus at night. Like, if Nicodemus, if you really believed in Jesus, you would have gone to him in the day for all of your peers and colleagues to see. But but I read this passage, and I, 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 I don't I, I, I'm not looking at it saying, you know, shame on Nicodemus for going to him in the middle of the night. I, I'm looking at it, and what stands out to me, and what I think is for us this morning, is that Nicodemus, he went to Jesus. like, Like, Nicodemus took his knowledge, took the things that he knew, whatever, but he actually, he went to Jesus. And in going to Jesus, he had an encounter with Jesus, heard the words of Jesus, which brought truth into his life and began a transformation in him from the inside out. So so again, the question that I want to ask all of us is when was the last time you went to Jesus? And, and that might seem elementary. Like, I, I, I want us to just like, consider this for a moment. When the last time you went to Jesus was, this might seem like some really elementary, really simple truth, but I know for a fact from personal experiences, I can get stuck in a season of life where I'm moving at a pace that has no time for resting with Jesus. And in those times, I'm usually brought to an end where I have nowhere else to go but to him. And I want us to consider this morning, are we in seasons where when we consider, when we look at our calendar, when we look at our days, is it so full of work, of life, of maybe um, of, of sports practices that I'm not a parent, that's like the one application thing I can think of. Like, like, Are we so busy with life that we have forgotten to go to the very source of life itself? Have we not spent time resting with Jesus? John chapter eight, verse 31, 32 says this. If you abide in my word, you are my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. If you abide in my word, you are my disciples. You will know the truth and the truth will set you free. That we would abide and rest in the words of Jesus, that we would rest in the word of God. Now, Pastor Pat, last week, he, he gave us this picture. He gave us this image, and I thought it was such a good image. I wanted to bring it back, bring us back to it for just a moment so that we could consider what is the word of God. When we say the word of God, abiding in the word of God, what are we talking about? There's, there's kind of three different expressions of the word of God. The first one is here at the center. It's Jesus. The person of Jesus is the perfect expression of the word of God. We see that in John chapter 1. In the beginning was the word and the word took on flesh and made his dwelling amongst us. And that's Jesus. He is the living word of God. And then the second expression is scripture. That the Bible is the words of God. That the Bible is, is God breathed. 2 Timothy 3.16 says the, all of scripture is God breathed and then the third expression of the word of god is the spoken word of god the preaching the the sharing the proclaiming of god's word. And, and so this is what I want us to get here. Is, is Pastor Pat said this, and it was so wonderfully said, I thought, but, but that the, the written word of God, or the, the spoken word of God, and the written word of God have to all come into the character of the living word of God. That the spoken and written word will never contradict the character of God's living word. Now, why do I say, why do, why do I bring this up? Because for us, as we step into this season, that we would practice abiding in God's word, that we would practice in abiding in the presence of Jesus through the practice and discipline of prayer, and that we would practice, uh, practice abiding in his word through the practice and discipline of being in his scriptures through maybe the john reading plan right that that we would practice and we would develop habits in the season of prayer and of being in god's word that we would rest in him and seek him in all things that we would bring our lives to him now i work with young adults i work with this group of like millennials and 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 just this this generation and um one of the two things that are really like kind of buzzwords for for people my age right now are mindfulness and meditation mindfulness and med- they sound those those words sound good like like you feel at peace just with me saying a mindfulness and meditation the idea of being able to slow down and be present in the moment and to be considering the things that are happening right now in front of you. I one time heard somebody describe mindfulness uh, with the idea of mindful eating, that you are sitting down and instead of thinking of all the things you have to do that day, that you're sitting down and you're just present in the moment and you're eating and you're thinking about your bites and you're thanking the chicken for the egg that you're eating and like different things like that. But Now, like these are new buzzwords, but if we're honest and if we look through Scripture, they're not new ideas. In fact, today's idea of mindfulness and meditation, it is a shallow substitute of the kind of biblical mindfulness and meditation that we see all throughout the Scriptures. These aren't new practices that we see this, this invitation and and this encourage, this challenge in a lot of ways to rest, to meditate on God's word. Psalm chapter one, verse two says, Blessed is the man whose delight is in the Lord, whose delight is in the word of the Lord, who meditates on his law day and night. Meditates on his law, meditates on God's word. That we would be people that rest and meditate on who Jesus is. Day and night, every single day, that it wouldn't be something we just do on a Sunday, but it would be something we practice in our everyday lives. An easy way to do this, we want to be able to resource you, we want to be able to give you the tools in order to do that, and one of the ways you can is by joining in with our community through this John reading plan. So we're going to be going through the book of John twice through the summer, once in July, once in August, and there's a reading for every single day, um, sizable, like, like easy enough to sit down in one sitting and read through, and then be able to track with and remember the things that were read I want to encourage you to join us in this. It is an easy, it is a simple way to dive in and start getting um, familiar with the scriptures. I think a big hurdle for a lot of us is that we see the Bible and we just don't even know where to start. Even me sometimes, like I look at the Bible and I'm like, I just, I, I like don't even know where to start, so I don't, you know. But but this is a resource, it is a tool that we would be able to all just make it as easy as possible to dive in together and answer these two questions as we read together each day. How does this shape me and how does this shape our community? So looking at this scripture, looking at the story of Nicodemus, how does this shape us? That we would follow Nicodemus's example and that we would seek Jesus in our All things, and in doing so, encounter Him, and by encountering Him, discovering the life that um, the life that we are all looking for. Now, the second thought that I want to offer us tonight, or this morning, excuse me, is um, how does this passage shape us together? How does this story of Nicodemus shape us together as a community? And if you have, if you're taking notes, write this down. It says um, we have a shared responsibility to point one another to Jesus. We have a shared responsibility to point one another to Jesus. That I need to lean on my brothers and sisters in my walk with Jesus. That when left to myself, I'm going to be ambition focused. I'm going to be dreams focused. I'm going to be work focused. But to have somebody in my life who's going to challenge me and say, hey man, when was the last time you spent time with Jesus? When was the last time you gotten his word? You've been pretty high strung. You've been pretty selfish lately. Like like to have people in my life to call me out in those kinds of areas. There's a, and this is a theme that we see over and over throughout the scriptures. Uh, specifically, one that stands out to me is, is a story in the gospels of four friends that bring a paralyzed friend of theirs on a mat to the feet of Jesus. That he's in a crowded room, no way to get into the house. So they take this friend on a mat, climb him up to the roof, tear the roof apart, and lower this friend down on the mat to the feet of Jesus. And Jesus, it says, seeing the faith of his friends heals the man. Seeing the faith of his friends heals the man. I think in every one of our lives, there is going to come a time when we are playing uh, either one of those two roles. We will either be one of the four friends who are who is carrying a friend on a mat to the feet of Jesus, or we're gonna be the friend on the mat who needs people around us to carry us to Jesus. There is power in community. There's power in community biblical community where there's vulnerability, transparency, and accountability. And I experienced this kind of community a few years ago um, through a small group that I was in. And this small group, it wasn't just kind of your average, like, oh, we get together once a week and do our thing. No, this was a small group where we were brought together by a, a covenant, by a decision to say, hey, we're committed to one another for a year and we're gonna be pointing each other to Jesus to the point where we, we felt bad if we weren't there. Like how many, how many of us have been a part of a small group where it's like, you know, I'm just like not feeling, like if we're being honest, like I'm just like not feeling being over. And it's like, oh, you know, i not feeling well tonight, so I'm not gonna go. No, this was, this was like the kind of small group where um, if we weren't there, we were letting everybody else down because we knew that in those moments, we were gonna be confessing things to each other. We were going to be sharing struggles with each other. We were going to be um, encouraging each other. And there would be times when we would have one person in the center center of the room and everybody else laying hands, praying over him. And these moments, they were so special because it was a group of people who wanted to see each other be more like Jesus. It's the picture of biblical, not, not the perfect picture of biblical community, but the, but the picture of community that says, you know what? I, I'm going to partner with God in what he's doing in your life. I want to see you become more like the man or woman God has you to be. And, and, and so this is, this is the challenge. One really easy way that we can do this and one of the things I want to encourage all of us in as we go through this John reading plan, back to the reading plan, as we go through this John reading plan, that we wouldn't do it alone. Grab a friend, grab two friends, grab three friends. Even though we're in this quarantine thing, you can do it over the phone. You can start a group chat. You can get together. Even though we're separated physically, we can still be connected spiritually and we can be sharing life with one another, sharing the things that we're learning through the book of John, sharing the things that we feel like God's telling us, sharing the things that we feel like our friends might need to hear in love. I want to end end with this. I want to end with this story that I I think beautifully pictures, beautifully paints a picture for us of what it looks like for us to be like Nicodemus, to pursue Jesus, to search for Jesus, to find him, to encounter him, and to encounter his word. Um, The story, it goes like this. I heard this the other day and I just thought it was beautiful. It says this. Um, There was a boy and his grandpa. This grandfather would regularly spend time in the scriptures. One day, the boy asked his grandfather, what good is it that I read the scriptures? I don't understand what it's saying. (laughs) How many of us are like that? The grandfather pointed to a charred basket used to carry coal. And he told his grandson to run down to the river to get him a basket of water, a basket of water. The boy did as it did as his grandfather told him, went down to the river, ran back to the house. But by the time he got back to his grandfather, all of the water had leaked out of the basket. The grandfather looked at him, laughed and said, you'll have to be quicker than that. So the grandson ran down to the river even faster, ran back to his grandfather as fast as he could, and still the basket was empty by the time he got back. Now, this boy was smart. He saw a bucket, so he put the basket down, grabbed the bucket, but his grandfather stopped him, told him that he wanted a basket of water, not a bucket of water. It's clever. So the boy, once more to prove to his grandfather that this task was impossible, ran down to the river as fast as he possibly could, sprinting back to his grandfather, and the basket was empty again. See, Grandpa, he said, it's pointless. Pointless? The grandfather asked. Look at the basket. The boy looked in the basket, and it began to make sense. Instead of a cold-dusted, soot-covered basket, There in his hands was a clean basket. Son, the grandfather said, this is what happens when we rest in God's word. It might not make sense, we might not understand it, but when we read it, it will change you from the inside out. So over over the next couple of months, as we practice, as we dive into the book of John, as we open up God's word and, and allow it to clean us. Allow him to do a work in our life that would transform us from the inside out. Allow the Holy Spirit to make us more into Christ's image through God's word and through doing that with community. I want to close us in a word of prayer, so would you join me? Jesus, we love you. We thank you for this time that we're able to share with one another. God, I pray that even now in, in our homes, in our cars, on our phones, wherever we're tuning in from Jesus, that that we would feel connected, that we would know that we are a part of a body, that we would know we are a part of a family. For those who feel isolated, to feel like they are connected, not just to you, but through you to one another. So Jesus, I pray in these moments that you would use your words. I pray that you would use your scriptures to speak life. I pray that you would... Use them to encounter us, to meet us where you know we need to be met, that we'd experience life that can only come from you, Jesus. We love you, and we pray all of these things in your name. Amen.